Welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. I'm back for the first time in what feels like months. Your host today, Robbie Allen, with my co-host, Poya, and we'll be interviewing Poya today. Poya, welcome to the other side of the table. It's good to have you, my friend. Yeah, good good to be here and good to have you back, my co-host. It's been a while. That CRO life and dad life is uh, I've been taking a toll on you, but you still look great. I appreciate you. Well, I'm excited because we're going to talk about you today and some of the work you've been doing. I remember going back to, what was it, 2019, coming joining Jason and Brendan and the crew over at Saster. And I remember in my first year selling about $6 million in sponsorships. So I was, I was the big dog on the totem pole. You just crossed in three years, 25 million in sales, putting my previous record out to pasture. How does it feel to cross 25 million of sales all by yourself? It feels great. It's, you know, when you start in SaaS, you're always like, you wish like you get your first 10K deal and 50K deal, you know? And, and the thing is it never ends, right? Then you go to a hundred K and then you go to a million and then it just keeps, keeps going up. So what I'm trying to say is the quest never ends, right? Like every, every month it's a new scoreboard. You start at zero, you got to climb it up. So sometimes it's nice to reflect back and be like, Hey, you've done pretty good. So it feels great. And uh, more importantly, it feels great because it's, it's uh, I, I get to have a good number two that I beat in the milestone. <laughs> Amen to that. I'll take number two any day to the record that, that you've set. So tell me about, you mentioned like in the world of SaaS, like what you're doing at Saster isn't exactly selling software as a service, but in a sense, you guys do get subscriptions because most of the customers that participate in Saster and whether that's at the annual conference or whether that's through media or, or a number of other ways, like they come back each year. But tell me about the transition, right? From selling software as a subscription to selling, you know, effectively sponsorships and activations to marketing teams. Like what, what was, what was that transition like for you? Um, yeah. So I, I would say high level selling SaaS has changed in a way. Right. And what I mean by that is Whereas historically, I thought the sales cycle sometimes could be a little quicker. Now it's, it's much, there's much more process when it comes to buying something, right? You have to show that it works, the proof of concept. Once you've done that, you got to make sure you get the budget for it and you got to go through legal procurement. Like there's just a lot of steps that I don't think you even had five, 10 years ago. Right. And now there's this been, there's this huge motion of like, you need to have a free trial or like a PLG motion, right? Where it's not a bad thing. It just, it, it goes against some of my personality traits being impatience. So I thought transitioning into events, for me, at least it worked out really well. I am always very curious. So you get to learn a lot about different businesses. Like how do they go to market? Who do they compete with? Who do they partner with? What do they value? Where are they out in their journey? And the nice part about Saster is in some ways, you're, every company is a SaaS company that you're partnering with, right? So you get to see the evolution of how one company goes from one journey to the next, and you can kind of give them suggestions on what to look out for in their next milestone. So that fit my personality really well. And then the other two reasons I think it works really well for me is events is one of those things you're either going to do it year over year or you're not, right? And 
What I mean by that is it has a subscription component that you have to earn people's value in business every year, right? And it's easy versus SaaS to do the change management, right? Like if you end up not wanting to do it, like you just say, hey, I don't want to partner with you guys next year. And, and nobody, you know, as long as they have good reasons, you, you just move, move on, right? And the reason I say that is you get to the yes or no fairly quickly if you're good, right? And that fits my personality really well from like just being a very impatient person. Like I, I like to get to that yes or no as quickly as I can. So for a lot of people, I think they struggle with the transition because it's events, it's different. But for me, I think if I have to go back to selling software full-time, I'll struggle with that than, than selling event sponsorships. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point because, you know, SaaS, like you said, is spreading its tentacles in every corner of, you know, B2B and who it feels like B2C too. And so procurement teams and IT teams are now the ones who are kind of giving the final sign off and wanting to run vendors through the process when you're selling SaaS. I certainly deal with that day to day. Tell me about the role that relationships play in the world you're in. Saster's got a great brand. People have been following, you know, Jason's blog for, you know, maybe a decade plus now. And and the conferences, what was this year's? Was it, uh, which, which number annual was it? This was the eighth. Eighth, eighth, eighth Saster annual. Tell me about, you know, so there's, there's some history here and some, you know, relationships that date back, you know, more than 10 years for, you know, customers that have participated in the, in the annual and continue to tell me about the role for you, at least now that you've done this for three years, the relationships play. Yeah. So there's a couple of thought processes I have for this. And one of them is by Abraham Lincoln's quote, which is actually, let me take a step back. There's a couple of mindsets here. One is there's a, I think there's a quote by Warren Buffett that basically says you could do 99 things right and as soon as you do one thing wrong, like that's the end of the relationship. That's very true when it comes to event sponsorships. Because of that change management, you could for nine out of 10 years, crush it, keep growing it. If people have one bad experience, like it's done, right? So the reason I, I bring that up is I've learned to set the expectations low as much as you can and over deliver. And ultimately everything comes down to trust. And I've, I learned this because Leading up to annual, this annual, the last three deals I got all came through referrals, every single one of them. And it wasn't a referral to Saster. It was a referral. Hey, go talk to Poya. Go work with Poya. Right. And what I've learned in this partnership is it's similar to like selling cars. Once you buy a car from someone and you have that relationship and they take care of you, like you send everybody to that person and you keep going back to that person. So what I've learned is at least at Saster, you have to really, when you sell it, you almost have to deliver on it as well. And the thing I've realized with events is it's really easy to buy, but delivering on it is hard. And even though it's not part of my job, if someone's not successful, it becomes really hard. So as I've learned over years, what good looks like, I try over communicating that with every sponsor, giving them tips. And sometimes, frankly, you have to do the work for them. But the benefit there is it increases the likelihood that they come back right? And mm. they see that you're taking care of them. It becomes a really good thing. And then on the other end, what I've learned is the nine times you do really well, if for whatever reason, that one time you ruin the relationship or you piss someone off, what I've learned in this is the line that Abraham Lincoln uses, which is if someone doesn't like me, it's because I've not gone to know them. 
And basically what I'm trying to say is you have to really go out of your way to empower them, right? To share, to get them to share their feedback about what they don't like, what they do like. Rebuttal it, right? In some ways, rebuttal sounds like a bad word, but at least just giving them an explanation of what happened and why it could be different moving forward. And some things are going to be different and some things are. So those are the two things I've learned. But but most importantly, the biggest thing I've learned, and I get to learn this every single year, even if I think I'm communicating enough of things they should be aware of, I'm not doing enough of a job. Like, yeah, like an example of this is sometimes someone buys the sponsorship. They're like, hey, talk to our little mini event manager and work with this person. And what the event manager thinks they should do is completely different than what the CMO thinks they should do. And it's my job to be aware of those things and look out for them that in the chance that they're not communicating internally, you have to literally go out of the way and communicate that to the CMO, almost doing their job because the consequence of not doing it backfires on you as a seller, even though you have no involvement in that process. So anyway, that's, that's some of the learnings I've learned. Wow. We got a Warren Buffett and an Abraham Lincoln quote in one response. That's incredible. I love the answer. And you're somebody who's so good and who I admire so much in the way that you are able to build relationships with people. You're, I would describe you to people who are meeting you for the first time as someone who can can relate to anybody in one way or another. And I don't know if that's because you know you were maybe born outside the United States and have a bit more of like a worldly perspective as an immigrant. I don't know if it's because you're really well traveled. I don't know if it's just because that's your personality and who you are. It's probably a combination of those things. But maybe for folks that are you know, newer to Silicon Valley and in, in, in sort of like a go-to-market role where relationships matter. Talk to me just a little bit about Poya's approach to relationship building. Like, do you have a formula or does this just come naturally? And I, I've taken the, the, the book that's impacted me the most on this is Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And every single person at the end of the day wants some things. And the most important thing they want, I think, is to feel empowered, to feel encouraged, to feel that they matter, right? And for me, I come from a place where we'll be right back after a quick advertisement. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, Assessment, and Virtual Interviews. And talking about virtual interviews, your candidates are busy, at least the quality ones are. So don't make candidates jump through hoops. Indeed's virtual interview tool means there's nothing to download, just click and talk. Indeed makes it easy for you to connect with applicants. No need to install anything extra. Indeed's virtual interview tool works from any browser. Indeed saves you headaches. Interview virtually with no plugins, no purchases, no nothing, all in one place with Indeed. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. Visit indeed.com scale to start hiring now. Just go to indeed.com scale. That's indeed.com scale. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Try coming from a place where I have empathy for the other person, right? And, and hopefully they see that, that's acknowledged, they understand that because once they realize I care about their success and, and that matters to me, then everything else falls into place, right? But part of it is also like, I get my energy by learning from other people. Where do they come from? Where do they see? So one of the reasons I really like events is 
I think event like nothing substitutes in-person events of learning about someone. How are they? What kind of food do they like? Do they like when I touch them? Do they not like when they touch them? Like what's their love language? And I know it sounds cheesy, but you can only be able to see those things about your customer or your person or the person you're trying to interact with once you're in person, right? And once you know those things, then you can like, you know, then you can be a, hopefully a good person, whether they partner with you or not. There are people to this day that have not bought from Saster that I keep in touch with and I try empowering them. When they're sick, if their love language is they just want affection, I send them a quick $50 like DoorDash gift card, right? Feel better, right? When you had your first kid, I wanted to make sure like they get a nice gift, right? It's it's the it's little things like that that even if you haven't talked to someone that you do, it pays dividends long term. So and sometimes it's the other way around, meaning I take more than I give back. And when those things happen, I have to, I have to make the deposit. Right. So. Yeah. It's, you know, people don't think of the world's most success. The first word that comes to mind when you think about the world's most successful salespeople, I would argue is probably not empathy. But when I think about like one of the core things that have put you in a position to have all of this tremendous success over the years within the Saster community and helping companies achieve their goals to the tune of $25 million in bookings. Empathy is the word that like comes to mind. Like that's, I would argue that plays played a huge part along the way. So you, you talked about there's no replacement for that in-person interaction. When you talk about building that empathy, one of the things that I was so impressed with, because I was there in Saster when COVID hit, I remember it was it was a level five emergency, and you know there was this big event with a lot of sort of a lot of delivery that needed to happen to to kind of get these accounts payable off the books, so to speak. And um, and we worked through that, but but there was this big contraction in the market from companies spending on in-person events. And, and I think that was a response just to uncertainty. Talk to me about what happened next and the snowball effect of how you guys navigated events through COVID and came out on the other side stronger than ever before. Look, you, you were there in the early months, right? When I think you were there during the worst months of it, which is as soon as it hit in March, I would say until July and August, those were the mo- mo- worst parts about it especially like the early weeks, because everyone thought the world was going to end. Like oil went down to zero. The initial weeks, months were like the worst of it. It was like the bottom of the bottom. Like, I I don't know if I've ever communicated this to you is I hated getting out of it. Like I was literally depressed. Not, it was not fun for me getting up to sell stuff. Right. So the turning point I remember for us was like around the July, August timeframe when we're like, okay, this little digital thing we can, we can, we can do, right? So once I started believing that there is some value that people can gain and we were stuck, right? For good or bad, like in-person was going to happen anytime soon. So I was like, okay, let's make the most out of it. It could be an opportunity where I could learn. And I took it upon myself to be like, all right, let's go see if I can sell this digital and media opportunities. And I didn't have as much fun as doing in-person, but I'm like, there is no other option, right? Like I have to, at the end of the day, make money. So for me, the biggest motivation was just to see how the journey is. The part that I was really impressed with was with Jason, Amelia, the rest of the crew that was there of trying to build something that's valuable for the customers 
but that doesn't drain the community. And what we ended up doing in the first initial 12 months was just a lot of these virtual digital events where they just kept the lights on, frankly, like they just allowed us to get to that next inning, that next milestone. And when it was time to make the decision, do we do in person or not? We're like, all right, we got to do it, right? Because you got to you gotta get the li- liabilities off the books, right? So we went full force in doing this in-person event. And frankly, there were times that I'm like, I don't know if, I, if we're going to, I was unsure is what I'm saying, if we're going to make it or not, the result of an unintended consequence, which is we put the event outdoors and we did it for health and safety reasons. And the reason I'm saying that's the best thing that happened is people love it. And since then, every event has pretty much been outdoors, open air, this festival style format. And at least the best thing that happened came as my experience. What I like about it is it makes people much more receptive to connecting to one another. We've been very fortunate that the weather every time has worked out. But looking back, if there is some tactical advice I can give to people, one is you got to over communicate to your customers. Like that's the one thing I've learned as soon as you have bad news, things you're unsure about, you just got to communicate. I cannot tell you how often I had to jump on a call, apologize for things that were completely outside of everybody's control. But that's, that's one tactical tip I've learned. It's just like in the most empathetic, sympathetic way, communicate with people. If you have the option to see, do it in person, if you have really bad news, do it in person. If you can't, give them a call. If you can't do that, do a Zoom. If you can't do that, email is the last option, right? And you got to come from a place of, of empathy. The second thing is as hard as it, it sounds, you got to fake it. Meaning even if you don't believe it, you just got to push through and fake through it. I can't tell you how many days I woke up every morning. I'm like, I don't know if we can make this, but let's just push through. So showing up and faking it one day, like slowly but surely helps you. And I know it goes against uh, a lot of people's feedback, but that's, that's the second thing. And then the third thing is, I would say when you're unsure if what you're doing, you don't know what the impact or outcome is going to be, just keep just working hard and controlling the things you can control is the best way to go. So what I, what I mean by that is the things you can control as a seller, right? Is your activity. It's the way you could pitch. It's having a process, right? So once I realized that's the only thing I can control, what I ended up doing is I'm like, okay, in this 30 minute call, this is how I pitched it last time that resulted in a closed one. Let me do that again. And I kept myself accountable by like literally following a script and like the way the, the, the call should go, like the flow of it. And I'm like, did I hit that? Did I hit that? Did I hit that? And every single time I did that, at least it increased the likelihood that I would, I would get a closed one. So hopefully that's a good combination of my experience as well as some tips. Yeah, the crisis management, right? And uh, you kind of get thrown into the deep end in a moment like that. And it goes back again to what you said, which was empathy and, and connecting with people, you know, ideally over Zoom or in person so that you can have that conversation because it's, there's a lot to unpack and a lot of emotions, you know, when you've got, when somebody takes a big bet on an event and then that date has to move due to unforeseen circumstances. But if I were to summarize up the biggest takeaway, at least that I've got, and I think our listeners be able to to have their own takeaway here is empathy plays a big role when you're talking about how you have scalable, repeatable success year over year in sales. So Poya, last question for you, if you were to go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? 
The, the biggest one for me, is, and, and this just might be my personality, I get FOMO very easily. Like the fear of missing out for me is very true. Like it's for whatever reason, it's been like that for as long as I can remember. So I've learned to eliminate the noise or I, I wish if I could go back and I would tell myself like just freaking eliminate the noise. And what I mean by that is eliminating the noise is like a colleague that might have a poor experience that's upset, right? Or judging myself with someone else that maybe have started a company and they've raised 10, 15 million when I'm like, I'm smart, I'm smarter than that person, or at least in some ways I'm smarter or better at that person. Right. So it's comparing myself versus others. And at some point I've learned like we're all in our own journeys. And I wish, I wish I would have learned sooner that every single person's on their own journey and there's no, like the path that I'm going to be on is way better. Right. So, and the analogy that frankly, someone shared with me one time that like clicks is imagine if you're in a, in a freeway, you're driving, most accidents happened because one person sees the car next to them is driving a little faster and they're going way quicker in the lane that they're not on. And as they switch from one lane to the next, they don't look around and they hit the car that's in the other lane. Like that's how most accidents happen. So my analogy to you is it's going to be much more catastrophic if you decide that you're comparing yourself with someone else and want to switch lanes because someone else is maybe a little ahead of you in their journey. Whereas you're much, much, much more successful if you're staying in your own lane and making progress continuously in a consistent manner. Love it. Boy, this has been great. Congratulations on the huge milestone. Congrats to the whole Saster team on the success they've had. And uh, I will talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you.